Hey, we are so thankful you're tuning in to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Before we get going today, I want to ask you to go to our exciting new website, rjdpodcast.com. Go ahead and scroll down and subscribe to the email list. This will ensure that every time a new podcast is released, you will get a reminder and a link uh, to the podcast uh, uh, straight to your inbox. In this era of cancel culture and censorship, we want to make sure we can still get our message straight to you. We are so thankful you're joining us today. Please enjoy this week's Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. So glad you're tuning in today. We've got a whole list, a great agenda of important items. And of course, the Christian worldview shines the light on a lot of the issues that we're facing today, especially for believers, uh, and explains why we're having so much of the conflict that we're experiencing in our culture today, just an ideological uh, clash between opposing worldviews. We'll get to all that in a moment. But first of all, uh, we always like to highlight some of the exciting things that are going on here at Living Stones. And um, and this week was no exception to yeah, the rule. We had some amazing ministry that took place. Yeah, we had an awesome weekend. On Saturday, we had a great meeting on our market share, our um our ministry to the marketplace to entrepreneurs and businessmen. And yeah, share a little bit about that. You know, right. this is something I think that's a little bit unique. We're trying to gather uh, our marketplace leaders, yeah. inspire them, equip them, empower them, teach them what kingdom yeah. business looks like, and Absolutely. really pr- provide a lot of synergy and connection there as uh, people that are slugging it out, you know, nine to five in the workplace, uh, how, how that how that uh, activity is sacred and holy and and uh, and all that. So talk a little bit about, we had a special guest uh, Saturday. Yeah, we had an awesome guest, Rodney James, who's the who uh, helped facilitate our foyer, our current church foyer, who's currently working. All the renovation, our, our I-54 campaign. Our I-54 campaign, and currently he's helping us with our next phase project. He was here in town with his uh, lovely wife, Dana, and they uh, he shared his testimony. It was an awesome, yeah. awesome time. I mean, I... I keep telling Pastor Ron, I wish we recorded that. I mean, his <laughs> yeah. testimony was amazing. We had plans to record it, just yeah. so you know, uh, until the food poisoning hit me. I ended up in missing. Yeah, we were going to do a podcast with them, and then, yeah, <laughs> Pastor Ron got So, Rodney, we want to get you back here and uh, definitely capture uh, capture your heart and your vision on the podcast. But yeah. share a little bit about the gathering, because you were really, really blessed and impressed, as I know everybody that attended was. Yeah, I tell people, his testimony just really hit the spot. You know, we've been talking about principles of kingdom. Like, there's a difference between a Christian business and a kingdom business, at least by our definition. Yeah. You know, a, a Christian, Christian business is usually someone who says, I'm a Christian. That means they go to church on they Sunday. They go to but, church on Sunday. But they, that has little, literally nothing to do or little to do with how, how they operate their business. Yeah, they might have a Christian verse. They might be nice to people. You know, They care about people. All those are good things. But the distinguishing factor is the kingdom business says this, this business belongs to the Lord. Yeah. Everything belongs to God. And the resources of heaven are at your disposal and yeah. the leadership of the Lord. I mean, if it's his business, then we actually are very intentional about yeah. saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah, the Lord's your CEO. He makes the decisions. It's interesting, when I talked to Rodney, I asked him for, because I was introducing him, I asked him, what's your, uh, give me a little profile background to introduce yeah. you. He says, I said, so you're the CEO of, you know, um, his business name, I think it was like- Master's uh, Plan. Master's Plan. Yeah. He says, no, 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 I'm not the CEO, I'm the I'm the president. I was like, okay, he's making that distinction. And when he went up there, he shared, the reason I'm the president is because guy's the CEO. That's good, so it's very intentional. So it's very intentional. He's very clear about that, about going to the Lord and asking God for di- specific directions. So the chief executive officer- Right, the is, owner, is, chief executive is, officer is God, God Almighty. Is God Almighty. 
um, and we simply are here to to, uh, to carry out his plans. And yeah. that's a there is a very distinct factor applicable. It's not just symbolic. This is a very real thing. You yeah, know? this is not some cute little Christian trend. Right. It, it's it's really being intentional about submitting your life and the and the business and all the decisions of that business to the Lord and, and seeking Him for counsel. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge shift for, I mean, just for our lives, period. Making Jesus Lord of our lives, seeking Him about our family decisions, marriage, uh, you know, every every aspect of our lives that we're bringing those decisions to the Lord. And, yeah. and, and it's really kind of, I think it's a re- recovering of what basic Christianity is all along. I mean, this is not rocket science or some new fad. This right. is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Well, we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught, right? We all know this, but yeah. rarely do we wake up in the morning and we're like, okay, what's God's agenda today? You know, but I, I made the reference. I said, you know, you can have a Christian church or you can have a kingdom church. You can have a Christian church in which you use Christian principles or do Christian things, but it's really about your idea, your agenda, and your, your success. Yeah. Or it could be about God and everything about Him, and you're simply following the Lord. You know, can you imagine that church actually follows what the Lord wants? And, and we've seen, and I, you know, and I'm I'm studying a lot of things right now just on the, the similarities between how Nazi Germany took over and just engulfed the church in some of the similarities. And it's interesting because I really believe this podcast deals with one of the huge issues, and that is is Jesus Christ Lord over everything? You know, it was interesting. The Nazis said, you know. You need to separate Christianity from politics. Like you, you Christians, my, you take care of the soul of the German people, but don't worry about the larger environment. You know, hmm. we'll take care of the secular government, the running of the nation, education, everything, and and that fundamentally goes right to the heart of what you just said: the difference between Christian churches and kingdom churches. Hmm. A Christian church will say, "That's fine. Yeah, we shouldn't be involved. We shouldn't have a voice in those areas anyway, right? Like the marketplace is secular." Um, but a kingdom church says, no, no, no. Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. Yeah. And uh, and we cannot allow our voices to be kept out of law and government right. and economics and everything else. So, right. so I think what we're trying to do with that market share is really, really important because what it says is Jesus is really Lord over the business. And you need to be able to conduct your business in America with religious liberty. And you need to be able to seek God, make, make decisions, and honor the Lord in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. No, and uh, But you were impressed by some of I want you to talk a little bit about what Rodney was talking well, about. Well, the, the powerful thing about what he shared was that he didn't just share principle. He The last three years, the Lord actually took him through that journey. He lived out those principles in which he had his own plans. He had his own ideas how it should be. And the Lord just took him in all these different directions. He, yeah. The Lord used some of his supposed greatest uh, moments of failure or moments of brokenness and turn it into something awesome for his plan, for his kingdom. Wow. And, and that is a that is a biblical theme we see over and over again. Absolutely. Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize, and I want to encourage you, if you're in a season right now where you're feeling like you're in a failure moment, uh, please put a pause on there. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep, keep pursuing God. You'll find that what you thought was a failure moment was actually God setting you up for some great blessing and transformation. But, well, I, I, I shared this. So that night we had... Um, Common Ground, our ministry to the young adults. I shared this at Common Ground. I said, you know, I used to think I had a fear of failure growing up. Many of us do, but I had a huge fear of failure. And I thought growing up, the cure to the fear of failure is success. So I pray, Lord, don't let me fail in this so I won't have a fear of it. Well, that's actually not true because even if I win this particular event, my fear of failure for the next 
event increases exponentially. It, it never so, cured that. So if success is the solution to failure, then you're only one one failure away from, from struggling yeah. again. I mean, so you, you, it's a never-ending cycle. You keep setting yourself for the you know, even greater fall, right? Yeah. And what I, as I got older, more mature, the Lord started really giving me the true true cure to the fear of failure, which is so many failure, consistent things of failure in your head that you normalize it. You start to realize, I don't really care about failures anymore because they're just another step for me to become successful. And, and, you know, it took me difficult circumstance to learn that what's failure to us, to God, is just another step to lead us where he wants us to go. Right. So we start to not see failure completely differently. And that was such a great opportunity to hear. I'm not going to share Rodney's testimony because I'm hoping he'll come back and hear share yeah. it again on the yeah. podcast. But his journey really epitomized that whole idea of how God used our seemingly fail, what we see as failures, to lead him to his ultimate call, well, his next next step. And it's just a powerful, powerful testimony. That's good. So. That's good. Well, and we, uh, we want to keep these coming, you know, basically every month. We get together and we have some great food. Yeah. Uh, it's a great synergy time of connecting and getting people together. And, and there's just a lot of momentum right yeah. now in that whole area. Absolutely. And then you can talk a little bit about Common Ground because I know there's some some folks in, that are young adults. And, and why is that, again, you know, I you, you go ahead and talk about Common Ground. I'm going to tell, tell you a, a quote I just shared on my Facebook page that I think will, uh, will fit into what you're talking about. Well, you know, Common Ground is our ministry to young adults. You know, people ask me, what's the age? For me, it's not really about age number. It's, a, it's, a, it's that in-between phase between when you're starting to get out of your parents' house, yeah. uh, starting to, um, you know, out of high school, and then before you kind of establish your own family. You're in that phase in which you're making a lot of crucial decisions about yeah. your life, and you need support and you need encouragement, and we're here to help you, encourage yeah. you. And, and this, this I think, exactly fits the heart of why we did do something like Common Ground and why we do market share and why we have these gathering places. Yeah. This was a quote I came across by Erwin McManus. He said, um, if we're not careful, we'll spend our entire lives trying to find ourselves mm -hmm. And never realize that we never fully become ourselves until we find our people. Yeah, in other words, it's all about the tribe, and we preached a series on that. And I think you know the common common ground is is a, t a chance for everybody to find their tribe. When you find people that are pursuing similar passions, and you find people that are driven by the same purpose, then you're able to find who you are within the context of that tribe. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think, you know, that's why I, when I posted that, you know, our Facebook friends lit up because all of our Living Stones tribes said, yeah, that's so true. I love our tribe, you know. And there's this spontaneous, uh, you know, endorsement of that truth because sometimes, you, you know, I think, I think uh, young people, they're, they're trying to find who they are. Where do I fit? Who am I? What am I called to? And sometimes if you'll find people who, who share the same passions and purpose, all of a sudden, your life f finds context, and, and you discover who you are, yeah. and you grow, and you really become all that you were called to be. The key thing is find your tribe, and once you find your tribe, you can really discover who you are. Well, it's interesting, because I, I gather a smaller sample of that crew, and I asked them, what are you guys really looking for in this phase? And one by one, it's pretty much the same, as we're looking for a community. We're looking for yeah. a group. I mean, again, when you're younger, you kind of have your set youth group, school, family, your own family. And then later in life, you know, when you establish your own family, you have your own tribe, your own community. But in the in-between phase, you know, friends are so good friends, people yeah. who really care about you, mentors, yeah. um, 
father figure, mother figure, people who really care. That season is so important. So again, that's why we try to establish in common ground, really be a place of support, encouragement, to build connections, build network, yeah. and build relationships. So. And you know, we've said that in this last season of COVID, especially with the government's response to it, um, it's caused a real fragmentation in our culture because what it did is it divides people. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, were, were not able to connect the way they normally connect. And especially as it relates to the church, this has been especially dreadful. You know, we just we just did a uh, starting point, which is you know if you're if you're new to our context, starting point is our place where we invite all of the folks that are new to Living Stones to come out and to get connected and to hear about what the next steps look like. And, you know, it broke my heart. We had a, a woman there who lost both her father and her mother over this last year, and they have a great family, plenty of support. They were there throughout the entire time before COVID hit, you know, just helping their parents as any any good child would do. And this dear woman was just sharing how she still has been unable to grieve properly because she had to watch her parents pass away from a distance through a you know an assisted living window. She could not go into the into the facility. She could not go and provide the care. They were not able to have a funeral. And all of these are just, again, the dreadful consequences of policy. My opinion would be terrible policy. Other people would disagree. Um, but I think this is part of the fragmentation. So when we talk about, about family and we talk about finding your tribe, we talk about community, there is a world out there, and you might be watching this that, that and hearing and saying, amen, you know, you're longing to find your home. You're longing to find your people. And I've been saying all along, this is why the church must be essential. This is why the church must keep our doors open. This is why we're looking for brave leadership in the church. And as I shared from my message on Sunday, brave leadership and courageous cultures. Yeah. Those are two things that are largely missing from America today and it's causing a lot of the racial unrest, it's causing a lot of the societal unrest because we're not able to get together, we're not able to talk, listen, communicate. Uh, and love one another the way we were meant to. Oh, that's good. And I'm going to make the quick bridge real about kingdom. So, you know, we, on Saturday we had this great market share uh, meeting. You know, our next market share is at May 15. You know, on Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, we got breakfast, free breakfast, come on out. But we had this great meeting. Um, and afterwards, as people were, you know, chatting, talking, wrapping up, I remember, oh, we actually have another meeting. I went to go actually make sure the door was shut, uh, locked because I thought they were done, but they were actually just starting. It was actually a political party meeting at our church. So I ran in real quick, and I got to connect with the leader real quick, just like a five, 10-minute connection. Yeah. And this is what came out of that. It's like we're looking for people who, go, who are going to looking to run, to govern, yeah. statesmen looking to govern, but they're, they're doing it because they love the people. And they don't, it's not about their own prestige. They're not yeah. about their own power. And the leader was asking me, he said, do you know people who are like that? It's so interesting because we just went talking about how kingdom must reign the market share, marketplace. Yeah. Now... All of a sudden, in the other part of our church, we're talking about how the kingdom of God must ring in our governing body of people who truly care about the people and not about their own prestige. And I was, I walked away just thinking, man, right. we need the kingdom of God everywhere because there's a deep deficit of kingdom all throughout our community and everywhere you know, we're we, looking for. This, and this is important. When Jesus is the king, it's not about us. Yeah. It's about him. Yep. It's about his agenda. And we know that when he rules, everybody wins, not just not even just Christians. Yeah. You know, the kingdom of God brings blessing to people. And, you know, we learned this in the church. You know, 
and I think people are disillusioned. We talk about this, the, the growing disillusionment with all of our formal institutions, right? We know that that's a fact. Yeah. The church is included in that. People are tired. They don't, they don't want to go to churches where they feel like they're just a cog in somebody's you know, wheelhouse. You know, they're, just, they're just a, 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 a piece to, to building somebody's great ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't need more egos in the church. We don't need to turn the church into an institution. Really, what, what people are looking for is, are people there as the, the leaders in the church, just spiritual leadership, do they love people? Do they yeah. care about people? Do they care about seeing people uh, restored and healed and loved more than yeah. building some name for themselves or some platform for themselves? It's the same thing in politics. You know, people are so sick and tired of, of, of being a, just a political pawn and of parties who are pushing an agenda. They say it's for the people, but it's really not about helping people. It's not about helping Americans. Um, uh, and I think they're just disillusioned with that kind of, you know, corporation or, or institutional right. agenda. Well, I can, yeah, I can use the same thing. You can be a Christian politician or you can be a kingdom politician. A Christian politician, we've seen those dimes a dozen. They throw, the, throw, yeah, they throw use, out their agenda. Yeah. They throw out their faith, what church they go to, whatever. But in the day, they're not applying kingdom principle. You know what's one key kingdom principle that really distinguishing kingdom from the world? If you want to be first, you need to be last. You know, if you want to live, you need to lay down your life. Jesus says, me as the leader is washing your feet. So if you want to be a kingdom politician or a kingdom statesman, you need to be washing people's feet. Everyone can agree to that, right? right. We want more of those kingdom. Well, we used to call, you know, we used to call politicians public servants. Public servants, yeah. Because it was really a sacrifice, right, right to right. to go into politics because it meant you left maybe a successful business or a successful law degree or, you know, whatever it is that you were doing, you sacrificed. You know, now you had to sacrifice maybe your your marriage or some of your family time because you were, you know, you were engaged in serving the, the public. And that was never meant to be a career calling. Yeah. You know, that was meant to be a public service act where you give away a few years of your life, you know, to help the nation. Right. Now it's become this thing where, isn't it amazing, politicians go into office and they're normal people with, with limited bank accounts. And by the time they leave Washington, they're millionaires, yeah. and um, and and it, it's really a disgrace. But that's where we're at today, and that's why I think I think people are sick of it. So I like that plea from that leader, though. We're looking for people who care about the people. Right. It's really about the people, serving the people. Amen. I love it. And that that is kingdom, and that that's what we should be about. Amen. You know, I uh, I want to get into some of the larger issues uh, that are going on in our nation today. I'm reading a great book by Erwin Lutzer. In fact, I'm reading about four books by Erwin Lutzer <laughs> because I think he does such a great job of breaking down in a way that, that the, the average, everyday, normal person uh, like you and me that are maybe watching this podcast can understand. But he was talking about something I thought was so insightful, you know, about this whole, you know, people need to understand what's going on in our culture today. Um, there are people that clearly have an agenda to, to radically transform America. In fact, President Obama said this. That was that was his. We didn't understand literally what that meant when he said it, but his goal was to radically transform America as we know it. Of course, behind a lot of this policy is really a Marxist ideology, yeah. a socialist ideology, which is looking to, and I want everybody to be very clear about this, what is that tack when we say Western civilization or capitalism or white males or all of this terminology there, the, the, 
the underlying ideology or worldview that has given rise to the greatest nation in the history of the world has come from a Judeo-Christian worldview, which we are trumpeting today. So we need to understand when you see people that are going after a fundamental transformation of America, that will not happen without a wholesale rejection of Christianity, the Bible, the Christian worldview. Um, and it is an attack. Anybody who loves Jesus, it's an attack on the very principles and ideals that we hold near and dear to our hearts. And so this is what Luther said. He said, revolutions begin with a cultural moment, a pretext that will hide the real agenda to justify the revolution. And, and as I share these principles, tell me if we're not seeing this. You know, yeah. you, you've got some of the own principles you were sharing with me from a little bit different template, but they're, yeah. they're roughly the same. He said, you need number one, you need the triumph of an ideology over science and reason and civil liberties. Oh my goodness, we, we, are, we are witnessing this right now. You know, the left always likes to trumpet science. But when you get to stuff like uh, gender ideology and uh, all this stuff now with the life, LGBT, abortion, life, life yeah. when does life start? Right. Uh, this, this is the most anti-science stuff you'll ever find in, in the world. Right. There's nothing scientific about the ideologies that are being put forward. Right. Uh, and so we're witnessing a, a trampling of science. We're witnessing a trampling of reason. Uh, we're, we're witnessing a trampling uh, uh, of our civil liberties right yep. now. Many of this is, or this is happening under the guise of science. Uh, but we talked about even, even, you know, this poor pastor and his shot and his flock up in Canada, where they literally now just put a fake, you know, a, a temporary fence around his church to keep people from going and worshiping mm -hmm. up at this church. Um, all of this is done under science, but it's ridiculous. This is not science driven. It's 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 senseless. It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, so the religious liberties of this entire congregation are being absolutely trampled. Yeah, and, and how do you know when it's not science? It's when the descending voices in the scientific community are being shut down. Because if it's true science, you, you welcome descending voices. As a, as a person who studies science in grad school, you understand you embrace dissenting voices. That's how you have a good conversation. That, that's how true science true moves science, forward. They're yeah. Constantly hear, push back. Hey, the earth is flat. Oh, no, the earth is round. No, we're going to shut that voice down. Yeah. Okay. I mean, those are the things that's, yeah. that causes science. So, so it, let's right. just look at the whole yeah. COVID thing. Yeah. Because cause here's what should concern you. And this is what we talked about on our last program. Mm -hmm. When one person or unelected people, namely health departments or or medical experts, these people are not elected. They're, they're, they are they are put up by a certain party to be the voice of reason or the voice of science or the expert voice. But the problem is even within the medical community, there's, there's dissenting there's, voices. There's all kinds of dissenting voices that you probably have not heard of. Why? You know, these voices are removed from Facebook. They're removed from Twitter. Uh, the media does not allow anybody to speak outside of the narrative. So well, whether it's global warming or whether it's COVID or you can talk about a host of other things, when you only hear one side and everybody else is basically called a moron yeah. uh, for disagreeing, you're not having science right there. You're having clear ideology. So I'm just telling you, we're seeing a revolution taking place right now, or an attempted revolution in America. The first thing is the triumph of ideology over science. That's happening everywhere. Secondly, he says, you recruit people who are willing to advance the revolution of anarchy in the name of justice and equality. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sounds familiar. You know, the whole mob culture, the whole burning down of our cities, uh, this is this is senseless. 
violence and senseless uh, uh, attack on personal property, many times in the very communities that need this business and need these things more than, than, than any, anyone, you know? Uh, and yet we're seeing just basically um, the mob. And, uh, and I want you to revolutionaries use the mob because it creates instability, it shakes things up, it makes people fearful. Uh, and they use this as a tool. So when you see cities burning down and you see Democrat-led cities with mayors and uh, city councils who allow private property to be destroyed in the name of uh, justice or equality, uh, this is right out of the Marxist playbook. Um, and it's happened historically through time. Create fear, create uncertainty, create chaos. This is all part of the playbook. It, it's the emperor with no clothes on. No one wants to say anything. Everyone can see that in the name of just, injustice, they are enacting injustice. In the name of equality, they are absolutely practicing inequality. But no one will say anything because of silencing, because of the mob attack. Then you yep. realize something's going on here. Yeah. So, so again, it's, it's terrible to see this kind of senseless violence. And let me just say this. We're not even talking about sometimes the issues that spur them on. Those, those are separate issues that need to be they need to be addressed. You know, if there's injustice, then then thank God we have systems for addressing injustice uh, in an, in a civil society, an orderly society. But lawlessness and chaos uh, in the name of equality and justice is is just right out of the Marxist playbook. Point number three, he says you must silence all dissident voices. Submission to the ideology is enforced either by shaming, or by laws, or by simply exclusion, such as firing opposing voices in the workplace. Wow. This this is happening right now as we speak, and you touched on that. You know, anybody that has a differing opinion is either shamed, you're called names, right? Yep. You're a bigot, you're a hater, uh, you're a Neanderthal, you're on the wrong side of history. You know, when you start when you start throwing names at people and uh, uh, and shaming people instead of dealing with the issue, you realize you have an ideology that's being driven here that is not scientific, it's not rational, it's not based on, on, on discussion, it's not sitting down with your opposition and help me, help me understand your point of view. Right. They don't want you to understand their point of view, and they certainly, they already understand your point of view, and they don't want your point of view. They're not even gonna listen to your point of view because your point of view is disqualified from the, from well, the get-go. You can actually, number three, you can catalog the event that happened in 2020 with the great purge on Facebook and Twitter where they literally close your account. Oh yeah. You know, I mean. Or anybody that has a voice uh, that's differing you, from their agenda. If you question like these three things, like election integrity, you question COVID, you question all these different things, hey, let's you're, talk about you're gone, you're done. So, so if you have any question as to whether this last election <laughs> was full of, of fraud, yeah. Right away, shame. Yep. You're a conspiratorial, right. you know, a theory person. Uh, you're a Trump supporter. Um, you're, you know, you're you're a fascist. Uh, you're a racist. Uh, I mean, the the terms were everywhere. Just right. just for simply asking the question, hey, this let's look scientifically at these irregularities that took place. Right. To uh, COVID, you know. If you're if you question wearing a mask in in society today, then you're anti-science. You're selfish. Uh, I mean, you just yeah. get shut down. I mean, yeah. it, it's terrible. Well, I mean, you and I even joked about oh, the, 
when we get kicked out of Facebook or YouTube, we know we're making contingency plan, which is another thing we need to talk about later. But I mean, these are very real things that we're actually talking about. This is not theoretical here. There is called a great purge in which people, people got kicked out of millions by millions. And it's so interesting because when I look at Twitter stock, their stock tanked because of all the revenue they lost. So if you say this is not ideological, it is absolutely ideological. Why? Because even though they're losing profit, they're still pushing this agenda. It's agenda-based. And the same thing we talked about this last episode, the same thing with with, uh, the reaction to Georgia. And again, when you say this, when we talk about uh, attacking Georgia, what you're doing, corporate America is doing, is they're attacking the citizens of Georgia who by majority vote elected a majority of leaders in their state Senate and their state state representative, both both sides of the House and Senate, who passed legislation to want to deal with all the voter fraud that was rampant in the state of Georgia and to have honest elections. Honest elections so there's integrity in the process. When you have Coca-Cola and you have Major League Baseball and Delta and some of these other corporations that that are pulling their business out or attacking the citizens of the state of Georgia who through legitimate processes, debated issues, came to came forth on legislation, passed the legislation in an orderly fashion which is based upon our laws, right? Uh, and then they're attacked by these corporations who are going to lose money over these decisions. And the state of, of Georgia is going to lose money now because of these ridiculous reactions. Mm-hmm. You, have, you clearly are dealing with ideology and you're not dealing with science, reason, or public debate or anything like that in the process. So yeah. it, it's, it, should be, it should concern all of us who value the rule of law and, and ordered liberty because that's what's really being assaulted. Yeah, you know, it's ideological. Bottom is ideological, which, you know, I'm fine you being ideological uh, as long as you say you're being ideological because we in the church get accused of being religious and all anti-science, anti-this all the time. Well, you know, because we have a faith. Yep. You have your opposing faith. You have opposing religion. So just say it. Stop acting like you're being rational. Stop acting like you're being scientific. You have your own faith, and we have our faith. Let's but, see whose faith is better. But what should concern us, yeah. and I brought this up before in some of the debates even in the state of Indiana, I've seen really good people lose their jobs simply because the, the mob who did not agree with their view of marriage or their view of gender yeah. or their view of whatever— the mob just simply says, you get rid of these people, you fire them, you cancel them, right. or else we're going to take our business away from you. Well, can you imagine if you flip that around? Oh, we're going to fire you because you're not a Christian in this marketplace, in this oh, business. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the, the outrage we'll see? But on the flip side, because of our faith, because of our ideology opposes your ideology, people getting fired and left and right, and no one says nothing. So, so this is the point so, that, that, that we need to be yeah. violently opposed to. So when you have people who basically silence your voice by shaming you, in other words, they just start calling you names, they don't give you a chance even to share why you believe what you believe, you're just automatically considered an object of scorn, Um, or you have laws that are created that simply allow you not to express your view. You know, religious liberty is sacrosanct sacrosanct in our culture, meaning you don't touch it. It's, It's one of our amendments. Same thing with the Second Amendment, and we can go right down the list. You know, it's interesting how the left wants to to attack certain those things. In fact, President or, uh, President Biden, right, just recently said, "Oh, well, those things are not, you know, givens. You know, they're they're, they're not things that we can't you know, go back and change, or yeah. that we that, that are that are open for discussion and change." Um, 
Well, again, when, when you've got folks that are attacking the liberties that are basic to, to functioning with religious liberty and being a believer before God, uh, and laws begin to remove those. And like we're gonna, if we have time, get into the equality. I don't know where we're at. In the How are we doing time wise? We got thirty minutes in. All right. Oh my gosh. So we're probably not going to get to a lot of that. But when you've got laws that are, are forcing you to submit to an ideology or simply exclusion, and this one is yeah. painful as well. You know, when people simply say, "Well, you know what? Your you and your views are no longer welcome in our company." Or usually this is done in the media. The media right away ferrets out anybody who disagrees. Like, did you just see recently uh, now there's a big push to get Tucker Carlson fired from Fox because evidently Tucker Carlson said something racist. Now, again, Tucker Carlson didn't say anything racist, and I won't I won't go into the specifics, but he just simply shared an ideological position that differed from the current leftist narrative, and this is what the left does. They create false outrage, they call you names, they accuse you, and I can't think of anything that is a more harsh accusation today than being called a racist, right, or a bigot. I mean, the race card is used for everything today, and nobody wants to be on the wrong side of the race issue, right? So they use racial, uh, the race name all the time. You're a racist, you're a bigot. Uh, and then everybody has to react to that. Corporate America has to jump through the hoops. Right. Um, and then whoever was supposedly guilty, this is the sad part, never gets a day in court. Yep. They never get to push back. They never get to defend themselves before they get a chance to even realize that somebody's upset. They're fired. Yep. And, and the sad thing is they'll never have a job in that industry again. Uh, they experience economic loss. And what were they guilty of? Simply, simply sharing an opposition viewpoint. Now that's called religious freedom. That's called freedom of speech. That's what this nation was founded upon. And when you have people in power, uh, and right now we have the media, we have higher education, we're increasingly having corporate America, and we're having a, a Democratic Party that has gone completely leftist. Um, when you put all that together, you have what we are currently experiencing is a cancel culture where especially people from the Christian point of view, a Judeo-Christian worldview, our viewpoint's being automatically canceled right from the start. We're not, we don't even have a chance to respond, and the sad thing is we don't have a platform to be able to even express our viewpoint any longer. That should cause you know Christian people to be incredibly alarmed. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and, and I think the key is recognizing that there's a game plan behind all of this. This is, this is not like some spontaneous outrage or spontaneous outburst. Is that historically, look at these, these a Marx revolution, there was people behind saying, hey, here's a game plan. They have documented, they have written books about it. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the game plan, look at what happened in America, you can say, whoa, this is, this is, there's some strong alignment, strong parallels here. Well, absolutely. And yeah. even now, you know, if we would even suggest this, then we're being called you know, conspiracy theorists, alarmists. But what we're trying to say is, is the Marxist agenda is alive and well in America today, uh, or fascist agenda. A lot of times this gets applied or got applied to to the right, but this is not the right that's doing all of this. What the, this, the playbook that's, that's being followed is clearly uh, from the left. Uh, and, and, and we've seen this, while the left preaches tolerance, what they do is they practice inflexible intolerance against anyone who has the courage to express a different point of view. Yeah, and so, you know, anybody that says anything, you know, I, I was thinking about Drew Brees, you know, who's one of my favorites, quarterback of the, uh, uh, used to be quarterback of the Saints before he retired. He just made a comment that, you know, he, he comes from two generations of, of military family where his 
father and his grandfather fought and served in our military to protect our country. And he just simply said, you know, as for me, I, I will not be kneeling uh, during the national anthem. I'm going to be standing and, and I'm going to be and honoring uh, the flag and everybody who died for the flag. Now, that is a legitimate viewpoint. There's nothing the matter with that viewpoint, but it came out in Major League Sports, which was at the time going full direction, opposite direction as far as their ideology regarding America and the flag. Uh, and he, remember what happened, he was assault. he had to come out with two different apologies to, to satisfy the mob, because the mob is not tolerant of your viewpoint. The mob is looking to cancel your viewpoint. The mob does not, they don't care about religious liberty, they don't care about freedom of speech, they don't care about the First Amendment. All the things that the left used to support, the left no longer supports. Um, they will cancel any voice that rises in opposition to what their agenda is. And since we're viewed as the oppressors, by the way, especially me, I'm, I'm a white American, uh, Bible-believing, capitalist-supporting, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, Bible-carrying person, all right? I am the enemy, and anybody, I, my, my opinion as an oppressor does not even account today. In fact, any, any oppressor viewpoint just gets silenced. Your, your voice is not even worthy of hearing because now in all this Marxist ideology, we want to lift up the oppressed group and let their voices you know, supposedly finally be heard. So it is not a, an even playing field, and, uh, and they're aggressively looking to silence us right now. I wish we had time to get into it, but we're not going to. I'll, just, I, I'll have a quote here by Winston Churchill that's good to talk about. He said, an appeaser is one who feeds the crocodile, hoping it will eat him last. And, uh, and I just want to say this, and we talked about it a little bit in the message on Sunday. This is not a time for Christians or for the church to be silent. This is not a time to be appeasing the crocodile and, and compromising. In fact, you know, when we look at, and maybe we can get into this next week, when we look about uh, the Equality Act, there's a group of people who are wanting to come up with a, uh, an alternative piece of legislation that feeds the crocodile. Mm. It says basically, and this is, this is why that market share group is so important. Basically, we'll protect, Andrew, we'll protect you guys in the church momentarily so you can hold your bigoted, narrow-minded views, <laughs> yeah. your racist, hateful views, um, intolerant views. You guys can keep operating as long as you keep your beliefs in the four walls of the church. This is exactly, by the way, what Hitler did. He, he told the church, you guys can keep operating, just do what you can inside the four walls. They weren't allowed to have any outside meetings or any outside public involvement. Um, and he said also, don't, don't touch anything outside of people's hearts in heaven and the by and by, okay? That's exactly what the left is doing today. Stay within the four walls of the church, mind your own stinking business, keep your bigoted views to yourself, don't let them out. And there's sadly, there's a group of Christian institutions like like um, uh, denominational hierarchies, um, uh, uh, religious schools and universities, yeah, higher, ed, yeah. uh, higher ed's terrible at this, mm -hmm. basically saying, okay, give us an accommodation, uh, don't take away our tax, our, our government support, our subsidies, whatever, just let us operate according to our beliefs. Um, but what they're saying is the rest of the people, Christian businessmen, all these kind of folks, others that are trying to operate with, within their Christian worldview, you're not protected. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna let you basically be fed to the crocodile while we allow ourselves to keep operating here in the church. Any I'll just say this any pastor that supports that kind 
of ridiculousness should be ashamed of themselves for standing in the pulpit and allowing everybody you're preaching to to be fed to the crocodile while somehow you are safe. And if you think that's going to last very long, you're living in a fairy tale world because eventually, if you'll feed your people to the crocodiles, you're going to end up feeding yourself to the crocodile because eventually they'll come. They'll, they will come after the church to silence the church, and that's what that's what we've seen throughout history and what we're seeing in America today. Well, we I think I mentioned last week. You don't appease or compromise with a bully. No. If you're a bully, you you don't say, hey, you know what? I'll give you his lunch as long as you don't take my lunch because after he eats his lunch, he's going to come after your lunch. Absolutely. You don't, you don't compromise. And what kind of leader are you to feed everyone else to, to the bully while you, you get to celebrate that yeah. you have your autonomy for a while? I'll tell you what kind of leader you are. You're a coward. You're a coward because you won't stand up for truth and, and principle. Yeah. You're basically covering your own behind while you're, again, allowing everybody else you to don't be compromise. attacked and yeah. exposed. You know, uh, I, I'll end with this. Uh, and this is Erwin Lutzer's book, we will not be, from a book called We Will Not Be Silenced. He said there are two ways culture attempts to intimidate Christians. One is to criminalize what they say or do. That That is the Equality Act, and I encourage you, please don't be ignorant about the Equality Act. It's the worst piece of legislation that we've experienced in our lifetime. It will absolutely criminalize Christian faith. So that's the first thing. One is to criminalize what they say or do. The other is to shame them. Many Christians will not be talked out of their faith, but they will be mocked out of it. Hmm. Shame will cause many Christians to retreat into silence. Hate speech legislation will effectively make our witness illegal. This is so good. Many people would never think, many Christians would never think of abandoning their faith. You know, I mean, they believe the Bible personally, Mm -hmm. but they will not let that faith come out publicly because they know they'll be mocked and shamed and ridiculed, and so they self-censor, and they shrink back into silence because they simply don't want to rock the boat. And the sad thing is, and I've heard Christians say this, the sad thing is we do this out of an ethic of supposed love. Yeah. This is all couched in, I'm going to love my neighbor. I don't want to offend my neighbor. I don't want to create a stumbling block to the gospel. But in doing so, you lose the gospel that you're trying to defend. Um, because the gospel stands on truth. And we can do it in a loving way, but we must stand on truth and we must stand for our liberties and we must make sure that our gospel is not silenced and kept in the four walls of the church. Jesus is Lord of everything. That's what this podcast is, is committed to proclaiming. Jesus is Lord of everything. He's Lord of government. And even though there's an institutional separation between the church and the state, don't you for a second believe that God Almighty and the scriptures do not apply to civil government, that they are literally the basis of our freedoms and liberties. And if we will allow ourselves to be mocked into silence, uh, we're going to see everything lost in America in a relatively short amount of time. But if we're courageous, as I shared Sunday, it will be courageous and we will stand for truth and we will stand together and we will stand as a tribe. Uh, Then we will see, I believe, great revival, great reformation happen in America. We'll preserve the greatest nation on planet Earth. Not that we're perfect. We'll continue to work towards greater and greater kingdom realities. Um, uh, But we will see uh, a great move of God in this country. I I believe that with all my heart. So um, that's good. Any, any other final comments, well, I guess? I have a lot of comments. Yeah. I mean, we I have a lot of time. Time. Yeah. time. But, I mean, but the, what he says right here is there's a lot of wisdom to it because incrementalism is one of the best ways to get the results. 
So they don't come at you directly, but they'll just incrementally shame you a little bit more, silence you a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Same thing, same thing with COVID. It's just like incrementally separate you a little bit more, a little bit more, the mass and more and more and human, more and more human separation. Next thing you know, we're, we're all depressed and we don't even know why. Incrementalism is a powerful, powerful weapon the enemy uses, and we have to be careful yeah. to guard ourselves against it. But the second thing I want to say is, Erwin Lutzer, I mean, he really makes a parallel between what's happened in America today and what happened with Germany back in the Absolutely. 30s and 40s. Absolutely. And history is important. Yeah. And, and all these parallels that's happening with Nazi Germany that's happening in America today, we are not talking about in the schools, absolutely. And we're not discussing in politics. We need to be aware of the tactics used over and over and over again because history repeats itself. You have said how many times how important it is to remember. To remind, yes. Um, and, um, and we're fools to, to not learn from the mistakes in the past or to think that somehow we're above it. Yeah. Um, we're really not. You know, back, back to COVID, there, there were really three issues, all of which were important, all of which needed to be debated. Of course, there was the health concerns, right? Then there were the economic concerns. What are, What's yeah. the impact of this policy on the marketplace and people's living and their jobs and, yeah. their, and, and all of that, private property? And then thirdly, there was... Um, Religious liberty and, yeah. and, and fundamental liberty yeah, concerns, liberty right? Concerns, yeah. uh, and yet, I'll ask you this question. When have you ever heard a debate in the media of reasoned minds and reasoned arguments presented on both sides of all three of those issues? All you ever heard was fear, 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 fear. Uh, all you ever heard was the medical experts and all you saw was executive power uh, being unilaterally place on an entire population of people. And I, I will go to my grave saying this, when you look at the data and you look at the number of people and the eight different age groups, the number of people who died to COVID, and again, any life loss is tragic. We're not minimizing life loss, but when you look at the percentages and you see the, the 1% or less than 1% of an entire population, and then you look at the heavy-handed authoritarian uh, cookie cutter approach to how we handle this and the tragic loss of life uh, in nursing homes and and uh, and what we saw uh, in the economic loss and the loss there the suicides the the emotional pain the trampling of our liberties um, I'm telling you this was one of the biggest overreaches uh, government overreaches we've seen uh, perhaps in our lifetime and we need to learn from this and we need to make sure it doesn't happen again and sadly if we don't understand history, we will not understand the urgency of the hour and how we need to stand now and make sure that this doesn't happen. We, we cannot be silent, church. We cannot keep our mouths shut, and we certainly cannot allow, allow uh, round two to happen next flu season. Uh, we better be awake, and we better be moving forward. So anyway, we're glad that you're watching today. We, help, we want you to ask, to ask you to help us get the word out about this podcast. In fact, I know we've taken some efforts to create a, a uh, website yeah. and some things. I don't know if we've got more to share on that or not, but I know... Uh, yeah, we'll be shortly producing a short clip just telling you exactly how to get on. But the idea is basically uh, we want to make sure that the videos are linked to a website and not necessarily to a YouTube channel or Facebook so we have easier access. And just in case anything happens, yeah. uh, and you'll, be getting, you'll be getting uh, an email notification. As, Whenever a new podcast is uh, Each week, right? hey, you know, tomorrow, uh, right. or click here on the link, and it'll take you to some new content. So we hope that will be helpful to you. And Father, we pray blessing on America. We pray blessing on this nation. We pray blessing, Lord, on Christian people to stand up and have the courage to be salt and light and to be a voice in our culture today. And Lord, we ask you that this would be a, an hour in which the Church of Jesus Christ 
would stand for truth, we would love well, we would serve well, we would provide solutions, and Lord, most of all, we would live for the glory of our great King, Jesus Christ. We pray this all in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in today. Again, help us spread this message far and wide, and we'd love to have your input on these particular issues that we're talking about today. All right, be blessed. Have a great week.